There's plenty of websites to check your credit, but did you know you can check your privilege? Look out Gentrifiers, Karens, and Daddy's Trust Fund Babies. It's privilegekarma.com. At privilegekarma.com, we monitor your privilege score and let you know ways you can use your privilege for good. It's the opposite of credit. You want to keep that number as low as possible. Join the app and lower your privilege score in real time by doing things like going to a poetry slam and not signing up or attending a BLM protest just to make sure the cops is cool. Bonus points if you hand out snacks. Your score even decreases exponentially the longer you avoid commenting on black folks' business on Twitter. PrivilegeKarma.com. Make a free account and absolve your guilt today. Yo, what it do? Planet Earth. Your co-host, Joel Boyd, comedy writer, actor, director, all that stuff. You know what it is. We got a new episode for your ass. Uh, if you'd never listened to our show, High Power is the show where everybody comes on and tries to find the best versions of themselves. We got uh, myself and a great co-host, Ralph Laguerre, doing our thing in our intro. And we always have an amazing conversation with a brilliant guest, Catrell Kindred. God damn, legendary young black director. She actually was my director in my episodes on The Shy, on Showtime. She also directs on Woke, on Hulu, Snowfall on FX. She also directed one of the episodes of the new show, A League of Their Own. We did have to do her interview virtually, so the sound quality may be a little bit different than you're used to from our show. But uh, it's a it's a worthwhile conversation, so definitely sit back and, and take a listen. And we also had to do the intro virtually as well because i believe when we did this interview i was traveling doing some high power screenings speaking of high power screenings we are continuing on to show the film it's doing great in the festival circuit november 18th we're going to be in wilmington north carolina we're also going to be in uh, in wilmington showing it one more time on november 20th please come check it out i'm actually going to be there i will be at those screenings so please come by and support highpowerfilm.com. Did you know we are also starting a conversation with you, our listeners? We got people really supporting the show all over the world. Shout out. Shout out to y'all. We see you, LA. We see you in Milwaukee, Chicago, East Coast. We got people listening overseas, Europe. Man, we got listeners in Africa. Damn. Thank you. We want to have a conversation with y'all so... Anytime you have a topic or a question that you think me and Ralph should tackle, email us at highpowerpod at gmail.com, all right? So why not? You know what I'm saying? If you got a question or you got a topic, sign your name at the end of your email. We'll shout you out, man, and just thank you for whatever city you're from. Shout out your name and your city. And uh, we want to have a conversation with stuff that y'all want to talk about, too. You know what I'm saying? Now, without further ado, welcome to High Power. I don't think people really say that, but they do. They really do say that. Same word. Like that, like scrimps. 
Really I thought it was a joke. Like people were like, ah, scrimps. But then I worked at Red Lobster in college and it was like, some people would be like, scrimps. I'd be like, oh, you're really <laughs> saying scrimps. Oh. <laughs> you don't know this is a joke? Like, oh, wow. Yes, yes. It's a, no, don't be surprised. Well, scrimps didn't come out of anywhere. No scrimps. Scrimps. How do you, scrimps. I mean, scrimps. I ain't gonna lie, it's very satisfying to say scrimps. Yeah, it, it really is. Scrimps. scrimps. Scrimps and grits. Yeah, I like that. Scrimps and grits on a platter. And you got to do the gurgle in your throat. Scrimps. Scrimps and grits. I can't. Yeah, you got to have that little, like, are you going to clear your throat anytime soon? (laughs) (laughs) Not for scrimps. Shrimp. Shrimp. That's not, now I don't ever want to say shrimp again. Yeah, shrimp. It sounds kind of like, sounds whack. Yeah, it sounds kind of like shrimp. Disgusting, actually. Yeah, yeah, it does kind of shrimp. Shrimp. Shrimp is like oh, it's good. I wouldn't trust it. I wouldn't trust the waiter if he said, "Would you like some shrimps or you want some scrimps?" I'm like, "Nigga, bring them scrimps out." Let me get them scrimps. Like <laughs> <laughs> well, what the fuck you me. just said before? But give me the scrimps. Yeah, I don't know if you know about these shrimps, but these scrimps. <laughs> You'll taste them back to back. This this one ain't shit, but this one, the scrimps. <laughs> This one Ooh. right here? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, Batman. <laughs> yeah. Did you know? Switch the labels. <laughs> you switched the label? <laughs> same thing. Nah, nah, nah. This right here. Nah, 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 nah. That ain't the same, boy. That ain't the same right there, boy. Oh, no, nothing. Oh, no. <laughs> we talked to Cottrell Kendrick today. And uh, holy shit. I mean, we. it feels like from the conversation we had with her, I could see her making some amazing shit um she's she's mostly directs television um but her originals that i've seen you know she's i have a a relationship with her and she sent me some cuts of her material you know she shares with us some amazing stories Nah, but she was great to listen to and definitely uh reminds us that we are we are not the circumstances that we're surrounded or by mm-hmm. you know like she and we can like she really had faith. That was a testament of faith. Like these episodes, man. Uh, to the listeners, these get better and better every time we like listen up. Yeah. Like you know what I mean. Like these the people that we talked to was just. She was like really great. Like I was like, whoa, like wow. whoa. But they all have a fabric of just like you can do it. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean. Like everyone we speak to on it's like you could do it. And she, she's definitely gonna be an inspiration to like a generation to come. Yeah. Like you don't even know like. And just like, just her, like, you could sense her power, even if we were not in the room, we were over Zoom for this interview, but you could still sense her power and her control over not only herself, but just like everything around her, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and it was very, um, it was very great to hear that, how she grew up and like, just the richness of her culture, like from her going to Clark to living in LA, you know, like, it's just like, she's cultured up. You know, yeah. like, and I feel like she was going to be a great voice in whatever medium she's going to be in. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, so it was, it was an honor to talk to her. For sure. Yeah, it really was because she's she can be soft spoken. And I think um, but mm-hmm. she was graceful. I mean, she, you know, her yeah, voice graceful. can be a little low, but she her spirit is very apparent. Um, so hopefully y'all feel it at the crib, in the car, doing laundry, whatever you're doing. Uh, while you're listening to us. It's a good one to do laundry, too. It's a good one to do laundry. Yeah. I would say five stars, particularly for the laundry crowd today. Today, for sure. (laughs) 
Did you know? I, also, just a side note. I think this is the perfect opportunity for me to let people know this. And I wonder what, what you think about this, Ralph. I learned from a, uh, this woman who does, uh, she owns a laundromat near my house that I go to, uh, older Asian lady. She's the sweetest woman in the world. Told me, and she put signs up in her laundromat. Did you know that like too much laundry detergent is like a cancer agent? Like we, we are taught to fill up those cups up to the line when you do your laundry. Did you know you mm-hmm. only need a tablespoon? Legit. Like the, we're taught from, I think, it, I don't know if it's capitalism. Yeah, I don't know is, if it's these companies. Sorry, I'm stuck in frozen mode right now. What? No, yeah. So we, there's a bunch of articles. If you do the research, uh, it can cause like, skin irritation uh it's a long-term agent like if you breathe in those chemicals too much that they put in our clothes like it can affect a whole bunch of stuff like you literally only need um a tablespoon of laundry detergent per load so all our life i mean i've all my life i've been using the fucking you know i'll fill a fucking cup up yeah for all day I put a little extra just to yeah. know, you know what I mean? Like, I want to smell good. Yeah, now I'm like, emo, chemo. Like, <laughs> like, that's what they say about our soap. Like, they're like, oh, you know, the soap you're washing your body with is not really soap. It's detergent. And you're like, what? Bro. And then I'm washing myself. And I'm like, this is the yeah. same soap as the Because you're like, also, like, sometimes I'm like, dude, I'm itching. And I just showered. Yeah. So what the fuck is in that soap that I bought? Like, I got to buy all natural shit now. Yeah, you got to go to those African stores. Like, here is the black soap. Yeah, bro. But they run out so fast. Like, you only have those soaps for, like, two weeks. So it's, like, nice yeah. turmeric. The little, yeah, because they're, uh, it's good material. And it smells really good, black soap. Yeah, they, it does smell good. You know, it's, like, one thing to, like, not know it. And you're just like, this is just body wash. But then you, like, <laughs> clearly know it's detergent or, like, body detergent. Because like, yeah. it doesn't say soap on the bottle at all. It doesn't say, like, soap. No, you are. it just says body wash. So you're like, yeah. What is that called? False advertising? Because it's like, yeah. yeah, you literally you can wash your body with this. <laughs> didn't yeah. say it was soap. <laughs> yeah. I didn't say that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, it was soap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, <laughs> you wash it with your body. That's your own choice. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. All, that's all I said. That's all I said. <laughs> I said, <laughs> do, <what> it, <laughs> uh, yeah. do what you want after that, but yeah. I'll put it on the bottle. I'm not telling you it's soap. I say wash this shit with you. Where's the lie? Where's the lie? Take me to court. Take me to court if you want. Dish soap has dish soap on it. It yeah. doesn't say like dishwash. It says dish soap. Like yeah. Oh, bro. You feel me? Like our dishes getting more clean than we are. Like oh no. You learn. We learn. Mm-hmm. Speaking of learning, man. Look at that. Look at that transition. Look at that! Look at that segue. Seamless segue. Let me let me learn y'all something. Cannot believe we got to talk to the award-winning filmmaker director, Catrell Kindred. Um, if you want to keep up with Catrell Kindred, uh, her Instagram is just her first and last name, which you can find in the title of this episode. But yeah, without further ado, after this commercial break, Catrell Kindred. <laughs> You ever just wake up and go to your closet and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to wear today, but I want to feel like myself. Like, I want to feel dope. I want to feel super charged. Like, I'm a superhero putting on my uniform. You know where you need to go? Alert clothing brand. 
these guys are a young fashion company doing amazingly positive things. I mean, they have premium materials. They have t-shirts, hats, hoodies, and, and all original designs with these creative sayings that just let you know that you are coming into your power as a human being. They, they try to really encourage everybody who's a part of their movement to enlighten themselves and stay vigilant on a journey of finding the best you. You know what I mean? You you, you want to feel like you you on your purpose, like you you confident, like you feeling self-awareness and self-development. So I need you to go ahead and get your fashion game up. Go to alert.com. That's A-L-L-I-R-T.com. And you can also keep up with them at Alert Brand on Instagram. And when you get to that website, I need you to do one thing for me. You got a discount code only from us at High Power Podcast. Go ahead and type in Power Pod on the checkout. All right, that's your code. Go ahead and type in PowerPod for an exclusive discount only from high power listeners. So go ahead and get into the best self that you possibly can with Alert Clothing Brand. All right, they are here to remind you that you are a God having a human experience. Alert.com. I grew up in, in, um, in the area of. Uh, Manchester and Western, so definitely uh, South Central proper. And my neighborhood was just one of those neighborhoods that, you know, we have the nice green front yards and manicured parks, but it was literally um, a jungle in every sense of the word. So growing up in, you know, coming of age in the 90s, definitely saw a lot. I was eight years old when you know, the majority of my neighborhood burned down in the riots. Mm. And all of that just kind of lent itself to like me telling stories. It's like so many vivid images and, you know, our neighborhoods, we all live there. So you have your teachers, your ministers, you know, your neighborhood crypts. (laughs) Everyone just kind of lived in the same area, which to me is just so much of what LA is. You know, it's like, it's hard to separate us in terms of like, Financially, it's hard to separate us in terms of, you know, socially, we all kind of live together in this melting pot. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what uh, cultivated me. That's what raised me up. It's funny you say that because I think there's so much of the city that I feel like I still haven't seen. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's all these pockets where you could just kind of find a new, like I, I think it's a disrespect. And, and I'm sure you, maybe you feel the same way as somebody who grew up here. But I feel like it's kind of a disrespect when I hear people say like, oh, that's so L.A. Or, oh, that's so like, you know, that that there's a like as if the culture here is a monolith. Right. Um, a lot of times they say L.A. has no culture, which is mm, also crazy. I, I haven't heard that. I'm guilty yeah. of saying that's so Echo Park. I say that. That's so Echo Park of you. I, well, I, I, I you need a pass that. for that one. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> But the new Echo Park, I heard about the old. Like I'm, I just right. you know what I'm the new Echo Park. Wait, what's the new? What's the new? The new Echo Park is like people with leather jackets, Doc Martin boots, yeah. denim jackets, hipster, coffee, hipsters. Like hipster. but the old Echo Park. Everyone that tells me like how it's gritty, changed, yeah, it's it was gritty. just like you don't walk down the street, you yeah. don't look anyone in the eye. People were just getting hurt every day. Yo. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. And then you go there now, you're just like, this is so nice. Wow. <laughs> I mean, so you've seen L.A. I've heard so much people talk about like the the 
the changes, even in the last 10, maybe even like 15 years, I mean, how do you feel like you're from, you know, you're from there? How have things kind of progressed in your perspective, just from being there, you know, kind of your whole, whole life? Well, the city is definitely changing, you know, and part of that is gentrification. We're going to be honest, Mm -hmm. we're talking about South LA. Um, And with that comes is pros and cons. Like, yeah. I remember when South LA was a, a complete food desert, you know, um, aside from like mom and pop spots, you would never see something like a red lobster or whatever. And now you have like cafes popping up everywhere. That's great. That's the good thing. That's industry. That's money, uh, you know, circulating through the neighborhood. But the downside of it is like what you talked about before, like, it's, you know, LA, there's these pockets of neighborhoods, right? And the culture of those neighborhoods are very representative of the people who live there. Yeah. Um, the murals you see, the languages you hear, is when those things become erased as a byproduct of gentrification that it becomes problematic. You know, when you see certain areas of Lumer Park boarded up and closing down and becoming more uh, commercialized, those are the parts where I think people are fighting to preserve. So as a native, at one instance, I love to see the community grow because we're talking about a community that's been historically neglected. Mm-hmm. But then on the other end, I'm just like, don't push us out of our own communities. Like, right. we still live here. And I know myself, I'm not moving to the desert. You know what I'm saying? I'm also not moving, you know, uh, to the valley. Yeah. So. I think those are the discussions and um, our art is, is I think, very aware of that. And we're in a place where it's, it's, it's a little too early to call it, but just even with the real estate market, so many people generations deep in these communities are, are leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's one of the things it will be interesting to see like in the next couple of years, how all of that comes out. Yeah. And with that, because, you know, I, I live in Lamert, um, and I know you stay close to the to the area. And I wonder, like, where or, or what do you think? Do you I had a discussion with my um, and this is really random, but I had a discussion with my uh, girlfriend at lunch yesterday and we were mm-hmm. laughing because we were at this restaurant and we heard uh, a song. What was it? It was a it was clearly a white lady singing um a change gonna come like straight up like it was you know it was we were at some like uh this uh what was it uh a brewery having lunch mm-hmm. or whatever and you know it's a very we're in the uh in a mountainous area so there's a lot of white folks around chilling you know having a beer or whatever but the the radio station was like um you know they were do, they were trying it was their attempt whoever the dj was at the bar was doing their attempt at funk you know, it was like <laughs> going in and out of this. Ooh, yeah. Um, uh, but then this song comes on and we're just laughing like, this is not Sam Cooke. Um, but I wonder, like, do you, either of you guys, like, do you guys have an opinion or, or kind of like, how do you feel about, I think, because there are really, quote unquote, genuine, what I would consider uh, a lot of my friends growing up, because, you know, I came up in Wisconsin, like, there's a lot of genuine white people that I think are really honestly interested in black culture and our experience and like 
in a weird way, they want to be involved. But like, I think when you talk about gentrification, it's like, how, how is this going to go down? Because oftentimes, and I think I've witnessed this just living in the Lemur area, it's like once kind of, you know, white folks in discover the area and they genuinely are interested in going to try like uh, black food or like black, um, you know, hearing the music or, or uh, the culture there. Do y'all like, how do y'all feel about that? Like, is there any way for, for people that are genuinely trying to support to kind of navigate our space? I think there's a way to do it, but in order for it to be like truly genuine, you have to also acknowledge the other side of it, right? It's just like the part that's uncomfortable to talk about. You have to acknowledge certain histories. You also have to acknowledge um, systemic ills that are still happening today. Mm -hmm. And also when we speak about gentrification, usually is used so passively when gentrification is not a passive act, it's actually very aggressive. (laughs) Um, And I think a lot of people are not ready to hear that. It's just like these safety zones that we've created for ourselves is literally refuge from a lot of things that we have to encounter once we leave these safety zones. And, And gentrification is the erasure of that especially if you have not acknowledged the history and the systemic ills that, that come attached to that. So it's, it's cool. It's like, come enjoy the culture. Um, but if you're going to choose to live in these, in these safety areas, then understand why, you know, your subconscious bias. If you see a group of black teenagers walking down the street and somehow feel threatened, and you call the police. Mm-hmm. What that could mean for that for that group of black teenagers who are literally just representing their culture, whether it's what they're what they're wearing, what they're listening to, or even what they're saying. Yeah. Um, so it's it's just things like that. It's like it's a lot of work to be done before you know the co the peaceful coexistence. And I don't mean it in a violent way. I just mean like harmony you know can can be achieved that's like the real like gentrification or like the just actual property right but what about the culture itself you know like the tv shows that we like and then all of a sudden they're like into it and they're just like uh like you know like i like i had a roommate that just was he was white and he was just like like he could talk to me now about like insecure because he's dating this girl is black he's like oh this show and this show do you know about this documentary i'm like bruh relax you know take it easy <laughs> mm-hmm. like, like you know what I'm saying? like you don't got to prove nothing to me by watching these shows like you know like you know like but it's it's just funny because you're just like you're watching it happen you're cool but you're also like there's a part of you like as much as you like pr- progress you're also like are we are we leaving the tradition like is yeah. all the tradition leaving like you know just to please like a group of people so mm-hmm. yeah yeah like don't paint over our murals you know what i mean don't <laughs> yo don't. yo they literally do that literally like, and it's not even a beautiful mural it, like that they paint it's like the most basic thing but you see the art and graffiti that is on the wall you're like oh there's a story behind this exactly. like you know like you can see the story but like you paint flowers and like put your name on it for an instagram post bro i'd be sick bro I, that literally <laughs> happened to me i literally was sick bro i was like this is sick yeah exactly 
And it's all, it's all learn. Part of it is learned behavior, right? Cause it's like, like we were all taught, at least this is my opinion, I guess, as a black child, sometimes you go somewhere and it's not your house. So you mm-hmm. can't just walk up in there and be like, yo, what time's the food ready? Or, um, mm-hmm. you know, like if they got, if this house has rules, you got to take off your shoes or, oh, don't sit on that sofa right there. Grandma, don't let nobody sit on that sofa right there. Like, that's why I got the cover on it. But like, I feel like, you know, people that grow up in, with access and privilege that they're unaware of, it's like, man, like, how do y'all come into this neighborhood that's clearly not your crib? It's just like not. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. But they but they have a feeling that it should be made for them. Yeah. It's just, it's so it's fascinating to me. Yeah. That's part of like the duality that most black folks experience, like just as a product of being black and being American. Because we're trained from, like you said, a very young age on like how to how to keep yourself really safe. <laughs> when you leave the house when you leave the house like how to keep yourself safe so that you can return back home right. that's a crazy thought to think like that's just a part of growing up but it's it's a very real reality for us yeah so me and my my girlfriend are in the mountains literally right now we're at this film festival mm-hmm. and uh literally like the blackest thing that we could possibly do happened to us followed by the whitest thing possible just because of where we are but we were <laughs> we left this uh party that for the film festival and of course we're like two out of maybe seven black people in this film fest or whatever mm-hmm. we got pulled over by the cops and it was it, ta- it just taught me a lot like i think in those 10 minutes that we were you know i think my girl's tags were maybe a little, a little expired or something but it was just like we we learned so much about each other in that 10 minutes of just sitting there of just like we never talked about as a couple like how do we handle this mm. what is your background with this situation and your approach and we both left the situation with like just the cop writing a warning and we were just like we knew at the rest of the night that we were just like lucky to be alive like there was no mm-hmm. other feeling mm-hmm. um than just being like wow baby we we literally made it back to this hotel and then the rest of the night, the funny thing about this story, and this is so true, is we were on our way to uh, go to these hot springs in the middle of the fucking forest uh, in the middle of the night with all the rest of these, like, you know, hippy dippy white filmmakers, which are super cool. But it was like, damn, in order for us to make it out here, we literally had to get pulled over by the fucking feds. And everybody else here is just like <laughs> half naked in a pile of mud, just happy to be here. Why are you guys always late? (laughs) (laughs) Dog. No reason. (laughs) That's crazy. True story. But yeah, man, I feel like even the the you know the the small time that I've been able to to study your work, like I feel like you only do things that speak to you or that have meaning to you. Um, Do you feel like that's is that true or how did you get, maybe, maybe I'm uh, interpreting it as just somebody who's watching your career, but how do you feel like you um, have gotten to be lucky to, to do that? Lucky is a strong word. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are sacrifices that come with that because you're right. Like that's part of what made me want to be a storyteller. It's like some of those things I saw growing up, right? It was just like, 
I want to, and not only that, it was just like, I want to represent my neighborhood, you know, my community in the way that I, I know it to be, mm-hmm. um, which oftentimes is a lot different than what we usually see. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I wanted to make content about, you know, family structures and what those relationships look like between, you know, parents and children and, w- and what does coming of age look like as a young Black woman. Mm-hmm. We don't get to see it. You know what I mean? And and, yeah. and even like, I, I watch those films. I love coming of age films. And you see people get to go into complete meltdown mode or just go off the rails and then come back. And it's all okay. And I'm just like, yo, this would have been tragic. You know what I mean? If it was through the lens of a black or brown person. So for me, like, that's that's been my center with storytelling. And it doesn't have to come from the lens of, of a Black woman, a Black person, or even a woman. You know what I mean? But it's just as long as it's saying something. And it doesn't matter what's on top of that. We can be talking about aliens on the planet Mars, but like if the subtext underneath um, speaks to the human condition and it's about something, that's something that I can hold on to. So like very early in my career, like I decided to make a decision that that had to be present Mm -hmm. in order for me to be on board. And if it wasn't present, I was okay with saying no even if that meant some delays. Like I didn't want to just find something like I need to step into the industry and get get on. And then once I'm on, I could backtrack into right. who I am and who I want to be. It was just like, nah, let's just start, let's just start right from the beginning. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But it started, it started off rough. <laughs> yeah. It started off rough. But what you mean it started off rough though? Like just, just in terms of the weight. You know, because I had some things come my way that was like, this is ready to go. How do you feel about it? Do you want, are you interested? And I had to, to look at it and just be like, I wouldn't do that. I don't mm-hmm. agree with that. And I think it's okay because like, as artists, the things that we partake in say something about us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just like, if it's not something I can stand on proudly and say like, yeah, I, I, I put my all into this. So I really believe in it then it's not worth me doing. It's not mine. It belongs to somebody else. Sometimes it doesn't even boil down to to, to the moral standard of it. Sometimes it's just like, I gotta pay rent. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm not mad at either at either situation. It's just a matter of like, I think people talk a lot about with Hollywood, like not losing yourself. And that's mm-hmm. part of the discussion. It's just like, even if, you know, I don't really like this, I gotta do it. I gotta, I got bills to pay. I'm not gonna lose myself in it though. You know, so just still just that constant check-in with yourself and what's mm-hmm. important to you and what you want to say with your art. I think it's important. Yeah. yeah. How do you do that? I think, like, just really, and I'm still learning this, is trusting the, my instinct. Mm. Trusting it. Because I'll have, it could be a, a time when, like, I can tell the team wants me to really take this thing or to really consider it. And if I say no, I don't. I can explain why, but I have to trust that, like, it's okay to say no to this. Mm-hmm. Or, or it's okay to disagree with the material. And it's not even that, like, I agree with, with everything that's on the page. I think that's part of storytelling, right? It's, like, to really step into shoes that don't belong to us. I really think what we do teaches empathy in a lot of ways. Um, 
but I would hope that that's the intent. Yeah. And it's not something that's exploitive. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or, yeah. you know, so it's just like, as long as I've just stayed true to that, I feel like I've made the right choice. Yeah, I mean, you're, I want to say gangster, but that's like the symbol to everybody. That's a gangster mindset to go into Hollywood. You got to have a gangster, like, mob metallic mindset. I'm going to say no to this early, or else you get, like, you're in control right now at an early, like, in this stage of your life, it seems like you're in control of everything that walks across you. Like, so that's pretty cool to see. I feel like as comedians, we say yes to every show. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's in a barnyard? Yeah, I'll be yeah, there. Yes. I'll be there. Yeah. And, and like can- I said, it's not, I'm not mad at that. You know what I mean? I'm not mad at it. It's just, just don't lose, lose yourself in the process of that. That's, that's what I'm trying to hold on to. Uh, yeah, I definitely feel that. Not even in the industry. I feel like in the city of Los Angeles, you could lose yourself real quick just being entertained by everything around you. So if you don't just like have the intentions, like what you're trying to do out here, you can yeah. be lost. You can be yeah. lost. Yeah. That came down to literally to bring it back. Like I left Hollywood. Like I lived there for the first two years, uh, maybe three in LA. And I was like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. And yeah. I literally was like, where are the black people? Where are we at? Where are we at? <laughs> Honestly, I can't even remember the last time I went to Hollywood. <laughs> for real <laughs> there's a couple you know i'm vegan now so there's a couple spots i gotta go to so but okay uh, yeah 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 <laughs> we got a lot of, a lot of black we, vegan shit in we coming Lamar up too. yeah it's true we, yeah. it's getting better yeah yeah they say yeah. black folks are the the largest growing i think the quickest no fastest growing vegan demographic i mean we had uh, chicken for a very long time i think we know we just we tired bro we, we good tired. yeah <laughs> you can't give us a fried chicken sandwich that we haven't tried before like, we tried it all bro we tried it all <laughs> wait you can make broccoli into what cheese what am my sweet potato fries <laughs> <laughs> Broccoli cheese. You heard it here first. I don't know if they made it yet, but they're going to. They're going to do it. They listen. Add a little yeast. I already know. I already know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All them secrets. But that is, that shit is happening. Like, Black people, we be, we be getting natural and organic now. It'd be, it'd be mm-hmm. a whole gangster-ass nigga trying to sell me some weed. Like, hey, dog, this is uncut, bro. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I grew this I myself. Like <laughs> no allergies. No alkaline. <laughs> this weed got alkaline. You know what Dr. Sebi said? <laughs> we are all electronics. What? <laughs> we got electricity. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't use rolling papers. I just use leaves. <laughs> I had, okay. So this is, uh, I wanted to ask you about this. So I, I did some diving on uh, your Instagram and I found this quote. I wonder if you remember posting this. And I wanted to know what it meant to you. Um, and where you got it from. I don't know if I, I, I figured where you got it from. But it says, uh, some of you are breaking generational curses. And you don't even know it. That's why your attack has been so hard. Mm. Yeah. That mm. shit hit mm. me super hard. Even though you posted mm. it, I'm sure, a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah. But what does that mean for you? Does that did that manifest in your life in some way, or what does that mean to you? I, th- I think it's like constantly manifesting. And it's funny. I was just having this conversation with one of my friends about how every parent's wish is to is that their kids are better than them. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, 
and and part of growing past like what our parents either could or could not give to us in any way, emotionally, financially, um, is literally breaking a generational curse. And it's hard to do because when you're trying to do something different and something that looks so, so different that your family or your friends or even your community doesn't recognize it, they don't know how to support you. I don't, I don't think it's like a, I mean, in some cases it could just be hating, but I think most of the time it's just like, I don't really know what you're doing. So how can I help you? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. anytime you feel like in those instances, it feels like it's you against the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like even just on this filmmaking journey, um, I, I went to film school for undergrad and my family was really on board with it. They was like, okay, cool. You want to do the film thing. Don't really know what that is, but okay. At least you're going to school, right? <laughs> so I'm in school. I graduate, I come home, and for two years I try to find a job in film and I can't find nothing. I can't find a PA gig. I just, a lot, I just don't know where to look. And there's no resources to me in yeah. South LA for this, right? So I'm just like. You said two years? Yeah, for two years. God damn. Oh. Yeah, I, I couldn't find a thing. I, I did a lot of, I mean, I was like a travel agent and then I started like, flower arrangement, just trying to figure out, you know, life. And then finally my car broke down behind a bus that said Compton needs teachers. Like it was an advertisement on the back of the bus. And I was like, maybe I could be a teacher, you know? So Mm -hmm. I call Compton Unified School District. And let's just say from that call to the time I was standing in front of my classroom was about three months. So now I'm a full-time English teacher in Compton Unified School District. And I I loved it. You know what I mean? Like I was teaching for two years, but I had this this nagging thing in the back of my mind. Like you really quit on this dream that you had. Mm-hmm. And like every day I'm standing in front of my students and telling them that it could be anything that they want to be. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon I started feeling like a fraud. Like, but you gave up, <laughs> you know, on what yeah. you wanted to be. Yeah. And um, my students, yeah. like, they were, um, I think, a reflection of me in many ways. We grew up in very similar environments. And mm-hmm. I just, after a minute, I was like, I, I have to, I have to do more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I can't, it wasn't that I was set, settling for being a, a teacher, because like I said, I love those kids. But I knew that we're talking about breaking generational curses, right? It's mm-hmm. like, I can't get stuck here. I got to at least try again. And when I quit that job and was like, I'm going to go back to film school, my family was like, that's the first time they ever got mad at me over a decision like that. Oh. They were just like, what are you doing? Like, you you got a good job. You know, you, you young, you teaching, you can go do all, a lot of things in education. Like, finally, you got, you know, something grounded. And they just couldn't understand why I would leave that, what they saw as stability yeah. For something that to most people looks very unobtainable. Mm-hmm. And I had to push on knowing that they felt that way. Oh, and wow. it's it's not that they didn't believe I could do it. They just were like, you go, it's like I said, it's just your parents, they just know what they know. You go to school to get a good job, you got the good job. Yeah. So now what it is that you're trying to do, you know what I mean? And then like not to mention, I'm going in debt, paying for grad school. <laughs> and I leave super in debt and still can't really find a job. 
you know, and they just like, you got it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You got it. So um, that's, that's for me what that means. It's just like the attack is not necessarily like something malicious. Mm-hmm. It's just literally just, just not knowing. Yeah. Just not knowing it. And were we raised with the tools to be like, I gotta, I believe in myself enough. Mm-hmm. to carry on or where do we then find solace in if everybody's looking at you like you crazy mm. you know what I mean so to me that's really like the root of that that's why that quote hit home for me yeah I feel like it's it's not that they don't believe and they don't know they can't see it like their imagination is limited to survival like you know like that's how we were grown so yeah. we're blessed enough like to have an imagination like and like mm-hmm. break out of that and you said there was a nagging and I was like oh so that's God whispering heavy in your ear like yo what you doing you know like that's pretty mm-hmm. that's pretty cool and it's it, that you heard it and you were just like I still got to do it like that's mm-hmm. yeah that's a testament to you as a character that's cool well, part of their support was like you can you can live here, <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's like moving back home and, and living in my parents' house. Um, but also, like I was freelancing this time, I had learned enough to know how to do that, right? Like I learned how to put a film together, so I knew how to mm-hmm. how to like get permits and how to hustle for equipment and get things made. So I was freelance producing, and then I'm driving lifts. In Uber, trying to make mm-hmm. those ends meet, and um, I ended up getting a full time job. I won't say the place, but mm-hmm. I was a um, in house producer, content producer for them. And yeah. it's it's a school, it's a school. So I'm like, okay, cool. I know education, I know film. This kind of meets me right in the middle of those two things, even though it's corporate. And at that time, I'm still applying to those industry. Um, programs, your ABCs, your, you know, CBS writing and blah, 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 yeah. blah. So I'm applying to those over and over again. And um, I finally land one. I get the AFI directing workshop for me. And I applied to that workshop three years in a row. So I was like, okay, finally wow. got it. So I'm, I'm, I'm creating a plan to present to my boss how I can do both of these things, right? Because essentially, the workshop, the classes are like 30 days. And then I go in and I shoot a film over the course of five days. Mm-hmm. So before I could present this plan to my employers, they saw it in the trades because it came out like in deadline. And they called me into their office and gave me an ultimatum. It's just like, you're either going to do this program or you're going to quit this job. And I was just like, how? Like, I, I'm a producer here. I can do both of these things. And they felt like that showed, I don't know, lack of fuck, whatever, whatever the fuck they were thinking mm-hmm. in their mind. So I was just like, well, if you put it that way, then I'll quit. Right. So, so you quit wait, you quit the job. I did. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I did. So I come home. Again, I tell my family, well, I quit this job. <laughs> this is this full-time job. <laughs> oh my God. Um because I got into this program that lasts 35 days, essentially. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't let me do it. So they're like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. the amount of heart attacks your parents went to <laughs> <laughs> At least at this point, they was like, we think she's serious about this thing, whatever mm. it is. Um, so that's when, like, I would go to the workshop during the day, and at night I would just drive lift. Mm. 
mm-hmm. until I got too tired and had to go home and sleep for a little bit, then go back to the workshop the next day. And um, what was great about that is like that during that time, I felt like I had to put everything mm-hmm. into making this work for me. So it was during that time that this is where I um, directed War Paint. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the film that got me into Sundance. So I was just saying to people, like, just do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, your path is there. I strongly believe that when you are in alignment with what you were meant to do, it's going to get done. But all you have to do is just keep going. You know what I'm saying? That's your only job is just to keep going and to not stopping. Yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, you are a testament to that. I mean, you, it's almost like you, it's a testament, I think, to the creativity of uh, obviously black people, but just even when you when you don't have a lot of resources, you know, mm-hmm. I've seen people make meals in a kitchen where you're like, damn, like, I was tired. I ain't thinking about yeah. that. <laughs> you only had a can of beans and a fork. Right. <laughs> that's real. I, that's the spirit of us. I, yeah. I believe that. Yeah. yeah. It's marvelous. It's really, really beautiful because you pushed, like you said, like I can see it. I can see that hustle and that, like everything you put into that film. And I was lucky enough to see it. Um, and you won an award for it. I'm sure was that your first award for making a film or or making something? It it wasn't, but it was the first. It was a big one, you know, because yeah. we won the AFI Grand Jury Prize. Yeah, and and that well, talk that talk talk that. Like <laughs> <laughs> oh, saying it too fast, people gotta hear what you just Grand Jury. Yeah, yeah. that that's an eligibility award that makes you eligible for. And the Oscar shortlist, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. So like, the way I found out was so funny. Like, I was I was shadowing at that time. So when the festival was going on, I was I had just came home. And I didn't go to any of the activities because I was tired. Oh I'm like, yeah, I'm just I'll just be. I know we're playing. You know what I mean. I think I went to the screening. Oh, and then, I think um, I went to the screening. <laughs> I went to the screening. I come home. Um, the next day, I get a text from my my homeboy. He's just like, "Yo, congratulations!" I, I think he's talking about the screening. Yeah. So I was like, "Oh, thank you." He was just like, "Man, this is huge." And I'm thinking to myself, "Like, hey, it's not that big. Like, it's great." But and then he was just like, um, he he texted me like an article, and I opened it, and that's how I found out that we had won the grand jury prize. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's when like "Melodies from Heaven" by Kirk Franklin. <laughs> I, I really just started crying. I started yeah, crying. Yeah. I was just like, "That was insane." Yeah, and from from there, from that moment, was it just like different from there, or was it like Peaks and Valley still? Do you feel like it was still that? Like it changed in terms of now. I had representation. I had managers. You know, and they were sending me out to meetings and all of this stuff. It still took two years for me to be hired. Wow. You know what I mean? So Ooh. that's that thing. It's just like, yeah, the isms exist. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I feel like that was part of it. Yeah. Um, and they would say, yeah, we'll track you. And I'm like, I just went to Sundance and I won an AFI grand jury right. prize. So what you mean, though? What else do you want me to do? Right. We have tap shoes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or we we have this script over here that's a little controversial. That's you know, 
Nobody else would touch it because it's going to cause some backlash. Is this something you would be interested in? And that's the thing I'm talking about in terms of being like, being able to say no. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Even though I'm just like, I need a job. Like, what is the, what is the measurement now? Why does the goalpost keep moving? It's just a matter of saying, I'll wait it out. That's strong, man. Hmm. I, I mean, I hope any young people that, you know, listen to following a person like you, like, I think the culture now is so fast paced and, you know, you get a text, you get an email, it, everything feels so immediate. Everything feels like, yeah. oh, I need likes, I need views. And I'm not over here. Uh, I'm not, and it just makes you feel like you're not enough and you need to be running as fast as possible constantly. But to have the the kind of foresight and the wherewithal to just to know that that's not true, you know, that you can yeah. take a beat, you can take a breath, you can like sit on an email that you don't yeah. know what the answer is for a couple of yeah. days. You yeah, know? that's real. Mm-hmm. I want to know what film, like what film or what story that sparked this whole journey for you? Was it a certain or a TV show? There's actually two. So one is um, Spike Lee's film Malcolm X. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. That's a, that's a watcher, bro. I like when he does this. Oh, he does that. What? <laughs> and he does that in that film. What? It's just like. Yeah. I think it's just a master class mm-hmm. um, in filmmaking. And my mom. She she took me to the theater to go see it on opening night. Wow. Yeah, because in L.A., um, it was only playing in one theater. And that was the Ballin Hills Theater. So on that opening night, like, all the news stations and people who didn't live in Crenshaw District, you know what I mean? Like, they, we all had to come to this one theater wow. to see Malcolm X. And it was a school night, too. And I remember thinking, like, why are you... Why are you taking us to the movies on a school night? Mm. You know, because uh, she didn't up just have me. It was like, our car was filled with kids. She's like, I'm taking all y'all to the movies. And she was just like, don't worry about it. Like, just sit back. It'll be fine. And we get there. And mind you, like, that movie came out six months um, post the riots. Mm. So L.A., for all intents and purposes, still looks like a bomb just hit it. You know mm. what I mean? So, like... When we get to the theater, there's LAPD in full riot gear. Wow. And they're like standing in front of the theater. And as a child is already traumatized by what happened, I just remember like being afraid and not knowing what that meant, but they started letting us into the theater two at a time. So once we get into the theater, um, you know, the opening credits to that film is the tape of the Rodney King beating. That's in the opening credits of the film. Sheesh. So that starts playing and literally people throwing soda cups at the screen. Like I saw a grown man just stand up and just start crying, just bawling. Mm. And then the American flag burns into an X and I see white people getting up and leaving. I see some, some of the, uh, you know, news people getting like I'm tapped out. They get up and they leave. And I think I was more in awe of what I was seeing around the room yeah. um, versus just like what was on the screen. 
And then, like, getting immersed in what was on the screen, that was my introduction to Malcolm X. So, like, that whole night, I'm just like, oh, my God. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and it's something about connecting what I just saw six months ago to what I saw on the screen and knowing, even in a child's mind, that those two things were related. Yeah. And I always mention that as one of the films that made me want to be a filmmaker. I didn't know I wanted to be a filmmaker then, but it did teach me the power of film. Yeah. Mm. For sure. Cause like, yeah. With everything that was going on in the, in the room, I mean, that's, I can't think of many films that have had that visceral of a reaction. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's his, that's history. Right there. I've never heard a story like that. Like that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, just I the the part is just when they had to walk y'all in two by two. It's just like we're not no fucking animals, dog. You know, yeah, yeah. But man, yeah, that's a good childhood movie to start off. (laughs) That's powerful, you know. All little bitch ass kids was watching Barney, nigga. I'm thinking like the real shit over here, son. I mean, the realest movie we watched as a kid, my first movie is Lion King. You know what I mean? Like, Malcolm X. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but before we forget, what was the second one? What was the second one? So this is a lighter story. So I'm like maybe a junior in high school. And at this point, I know that I want to be a writer. You know, I want to write, um, you know, the novels that I was reading growing up. So I I was an avid reader. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'll I'll be a novelist. And... um, at the time, I was playing basketball for Crenshaw High School, and I get a call from my coach one day, and he was just like, I need you to wash your game day jersey and bring it in. And I was just like, turning my jersey, like, just as an athlete, I'm already upset. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm like, why am I turning in my game day jersey? Yeah. And he was like, I was playing the game. So I come to school, got my jersey in a, in a, in a little... Uh, Ralph's bag or something like that. You're petty, ain't it? Right, being being real petty. (laughs) I like vinegar, just so. (laughs) All the groceries still in there. (laughs) And I I turned it in and he explains to us that there's there's a film that's going to be shooting at the school and they want to use our jerseys in the film. And if we wanted to, we can be on set for the day. And I was like, all right, well, well, let's see what this is about. And that film ended up being uh, Love and Basketball. Oh, that's hard. That's hard. Because you said that. And I was like, what? Okay. Oh. Yeah. So <laughs> that's the first that I've ever been on. I'm like 16 years old. And I see Gina Prince Bikewood like helming this mm. production. And I'm just like, she's mm. a woman. She's oh. black. She's young. Mm. And like, whatever that thing is that bug is that you catch like it just light bulbs just went off and I was like mm. yeah this is what I want to do this wow. is it like because I just had no idea honestly I had no idea that mm. we was out here making movies like that you know yeah. like um and just to see it up close it just gave me and it might have been very naive but it just it told me I could do it like I was looking at her do it mm-hmm. and that's what made me like start researching film schools. That's what made me like start watching my favorite films all over again and writing the names that I saw in the credits and then researching those people. So that mm-hmm. was for me like literally the start of 
of the journey to filmmaking. You know what? I mean, those are two. That's two, two incredible classes. stories. That's two, <laughs> it's like, are you writing these stories? Are you making these up? Like, those, are, <laughs> those are two very in-your-face inspirational things that you've seen. Like yeah. one is, both of them historic. Both of them very historic Absolutely. in a way of like in black culture. Like Malcolm mm-hmm. X film, very historic, and just you were in the scene of LA. That's why LA is special though, because you right there. You know what I mean? Mm. I feel like if you didn't go to Crenshaw, you would have never seen that. And who knows what mm-hmm. you would have been a teacher for real, for real. You know right, I mean? right, right. Yeah, but you saw it at a pivotal moment where you don't know what you're doing. And then this scene shows up and you're like, ding. Like, you yeah. know, like you got blessed very, like, that's very early. true. Very that's true. That's a, like, yeah. nobody, you know, see that opportunity and just like, and she probably didn't even know she did that for you. I don't, you know she, what I mean? Like, she didn't. I was able to tell her uh, not too long ago. And I'm, I'm sitting there trying to hold back tears while I'm telling her this story. Uh, no this more back like, tears? We yeah. Let's we <laughs> I had to let her know, like, sim- simply your presence, mm. for real, for real, like, gave me permission to follow this dream. Yeah. For real. And that's, mm. like, that's something I'll always keep in mind when I'm on set, because you never know who's watching you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Or, or who's across the street looking at what you're doing or whatever. So that's why I, I stay in like a Clark Atlanta sweatshirt or a Crenshaw sweatshirt or, yeah. you know what I mean? Because I'm, I just want somebody to recognize like, okay, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. this person is, is like me, I can do this too, so. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, I I feel like, I mean, you, you gave us a little juice today, you know, like <laughs> I, I hope anybody listening and, and it's so important to hear stories like yours because it can take going off down a road by yourself and trusting that, that like you were saying, that you're going towards your purpose or, or you know, being broke for a minute and, and, and but still trusting that, you know, mm-hmm. trusting instincts like you were saying. So thank you for spending some time with us. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, oh, this man. Is, this was great. Know. That's fired up. This is a fired up Sunday right now. Sure <laughs> like, no, no for, I'm being serious. I'm fired. Like, you just, Bro. like, the determination, the mindset is just like, man, I'm just, like, ready for the Oscar speech that you won't even care about. <laughs> oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know I, what I'm saying? I received just, that. I received uh, it. <laughs> We're going to be it. like, bro, we was interviewing her, but oh, yeah. we all niggas. <laughs> and they'd be like, yeah, right, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> many, many great fortunes to you. It was great to meet you. And Thank like, you. Yeah, hear, you yeah, hear your story. It was great. I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. you. y'all giving me the opportunity to say it. Absolutely, man. Y'all know who we are, man. Follow <laughs> us, subscribe, rate five stars. Follow us on IG at High Power Pod. Uh, Keep up with us at highpowerpod.com. We love y'all. See y'all next time. Peace. This podcast is brought to you by privilegekarma.com. Don't check your credit. Check your privilege. Now with all new ways to lower your privilege score, like using your management position to help diminish the wage gap for black women or not putting grapes in the potato salad. 
Join the good fight and use your privilege for good. Make a free account at privilegekarma.com right goddamn now.